Welcome to the Eagles Nest Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this recent message by Senior Pastor Tim Winter. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to honor one more person. We are a house of honor, and uh, David, thank you, and Bill Repper, thank you for honoring the Lord by studying the concept of honor. It's, it's one of the foundational stones of the kingdom of God, but we are in our 21st year here at Eagles Nest Christian Church, and it's the third church plant that my wife and I have been called and assigned by God to help, and this one uh, was, you know, the work, and God said, okay, now, now, uh, as well, ask Kathy, she wrote a song about her, God gave her a song, it's time to get your eagle wings flying and do the work I've called you to, but I am not standing here alone, I'm standing amongst many others, and most importantly, uh, my father is going to be 84 years old on Saturday. Uh, that would be February the 29th, so if you know the calendar, he gets a birthday every four years, and it's really, you know, it's always, is it the 1st or the 28th? And he said, I don't care, <laughs> but I wanted to honor my dad. Thank you. Um, we started this in his basement in some fold-up chairs when, you know, he saw the call of God on his family, all of his children are... Uh, saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. How many grandchildren, Dad? 600. 600. <laughs> and he's counting like Abraham. Well, he's got a lot and great-grandchildren. So thank you. We, I wouldn't be here without him encouraging me as a father to a son. I'm a, he's a carpenter, the son of a carpenter. His father did much church work around the city. And his aunt and uh, his family, it's a call on our German heritage. So I thank God for, for your dad. God bless your week. Amen. And he's got family coming in. So I asked him what he wants for his birthday. I mean, at eight, 84, if you got a word from God, whisper it in my ear, because he kind of run out of the socks, the ties, the whole deal, you know. Just will you love him and bless him? And I felt, I want to just go back now to honoring the Lord. I felt the presence of the Lord. Aren't you glad that we're in a church where the Holy Spirit is just free to touch and move? He, he was um, releasing his healing virtue. And Jesus said to ask. So I know I'm among those that not only believe. In fact, what, what stirred me to do that was thinking of our dear sister, Diane Miller. A number of years ago, she was diagnosed with uh, stage four cancer. If you're new here, would you just raise your hand, sister Diane? She's still here. She's a wonderful teacher of the scriptures. She's a former president of the Women's Glow, where I got to serve and, and watch the work of God there. And um, she took God's promise to heal in spite of that dreadful diagnosis and what they said was perhaps days to live, that was years ago, and now her reports of a clean, healthy body. Would you just join me in thanking Jesus that he still does miracles? Now, I'll say this. Not, not, only, not only did you ask, <laughs> there's a bulldog in this lady if you don't know it. She grabbed a hold and wouldn't let go. And that's part of, of following Jesus. So we love Dale and Diane. And I want to honor you too. My father's a, you know, done so many years of the food pantry once he retired. And Dale and Diane are taking their time serving down there. Thank you so much for helping feed people. It's being talked about throughout our community, including the president of Menominee Falls is writing emails on our behalf, honoring the work of God here in, in our outreach, so whether it's in Carrie's home for the 
unwed mothers in a, a suburb of Nairobi, of Kenya? Suburb of Mombasa. Okay, and next week we'll have another uh, African. He lived on Kilimanjaro. Apostle Daniel Carvinen will be here with us again next week from Mankato. So we're excited about the work of God that's growing and prospering. Amen and amen. Okay, I'm uh, honored to share the Word of God with you this morning. Boy, how, you can't hardly make a mistake in such a presence. How about the worship team? I mean, this is... Stacy. thank you for... You know, you might not know this, but I don't know how many are on the team, but uh, all of them take their turn cycling through leadership and, and praying and working together and assisting, and it's just week in and week out. We enjoy a current heavenly sound, and uh, I'm very, very, very grateful. So that just doesn't happen. That's, that's pulling on the garment of Jesus, too. Okay, let's see. Let me get in here. Um, I'm going to introduce what I'm going to share about vision. My goodness, look at that. Okay, I'm going to, Nick, I'm going to jump down to my title. Okay, let's see. I work on several different computers, so sometimes my brain is thinking I'm on a different, here we go. Okay, very good. Two fingers. Thank you, Desiree. We're talking about vision this year. It's the year 2020, the year of our Lord, and uh, I'm excited to be alive. I'm excited to know Jesus as my Savior and to be filled with His, his presence, His Spirit, and I'll just let it overflow in however it does. So would you join me uh, as I pray over three people? First of all, I'm going to be kind of guiding you through what the Lord put on my heart. I pray it will really bless you. I've asked Dale Anders if he'll come and read the Word of God, so give me kind of a a brain break so I can grab a hold of and he can release his anointing. And then I've asked my wife, she, you know, someone uh, get, make sure you get mom. She's, she's going to bring the closure of the gospel. And uh, so we'll have three people uh, reading and sharing the scripture, but the Holy Spirit will have his way. And when it comes to reading the word, one of the things Paul said, he said, give attention. When you, get, when you gather together, give attention to prayer to exhortation, and to reading the Word. And I've noticed in my life, I've been saved since 1976, and I knew the Bible growing up in a Christian home as a, as a Catholic youth, went to CCD and all that, learned the Bible stories, and always had a great respect for it. I learned that from my mother and father, and that's a very good platform for me to have gotten saved out of. But then I, when I came into the Lord, I recognized a different present anointing on different people for different things. And one of the, preaching is an anointing, I have that, all my kids have it, and, and all of, you know, your anointing will probably move through you to your children um, on both, both ends, you know, so you want to cleanse the water and keep the good stuff going. But here's what I wanted to say. I have noticed a special anointing on the reading of the Word. A good friend of mine, Russia Felker, has it, uh, Bill. Bill Ruppert has it. That's why as soon as he said, the Lord released me from where we used to be, Tim, I said, I am, I've been waiting for you. The man has a respect and a holy honor for the Word of God. So does Dale Enders. And you can hear it through their voice. And so when we read the Scriptures, we want to honor the Lord. So having said that as an introduction, now let's agree in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask that you just really bless our time today as we look to Jesus who authored our faith and will finish our faith. I ask that the Holy Spirit would have his uh, freedom in here as the word you gave to the prayer, uh, Clark and, and Scotty and Colleen and Bill this morning and Desiree and, 
Uh, Sharon back home, she's not, not feeling well watching on, on, on our live stream. Will you just please bless us with the freedom that is received by simple faith in Jesus Christ? Have your way, Lord. Speak to us as only you can in Jesus' name. We've been talking about vision and the importance of having good vision. This morning, the subtitle I'd like to add to this segment of our sharing is Learning Mercy. Last week, just real quickly, we were uh, in Proverbs 29 and verse 18. The scripture says, where there's no vision, the people perish, but happy uh, he that keeps the law, happy is he. I want you to envision yourself learning mercy. Last week, we, we began our sharing on mercy, saying that when God goes out to eat, he orders mercy. Remember, I said, I will have mercy. When God looks down in our skirmishes, when he's looking in our churches, when he's looking at our outreach, our business, he's looking for mercy. And that's what he wants to see out of us. So this morning, we'll, we'll uh, go a little farther in that. Now I'm going to jump right down to a number 11. I think I'll be at Nick for the sake of time. Nine. Uh, number nine. Number nine slide, and I'm going to ask, uh, Dale, will you just come up now and join me? In Matthew chapter nine, we'll begin at verse one. And I thought, oh, there it is. Take your time. Thank you, Father, for the blessing of the reading of your word. And I'll, I'll work with you. Did you want a handheld or did you want to? Okay. Thank you. entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city and behold they brought to him a man sick of the palsy who was paralyzed lying on a bed and Jesus seeing their faith said unto the sick of the palsy son be of good cheer your sins are forgiven you think of his Reaction to that. Think of their reaction to that. Well, we'll hear about everyone's reaction to that. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. <laughs> and Jesus, knowing their thoughts, <laughs> said, Wherefore think you evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or arise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. That you may know. Then said he to the sick of the palsy, arise, take up your bed and go unto your own house. And he arose and departed to his house. But when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let me give you a break for one second. Might we observe that Jesus knows your thoughts? He knows our thoughts. And might we also observe that uh, Jesus 
Back it up one more. Seize your faith. I felt the presence of the Lord stirring in here this morning to touch people's hearts. And Jesus sees your faith, and if you just have a grain of mustard seed of faith, and you put the thoughts of doubt aside, Jesus can make more of one grain of mustard seed of faith if you don't doubt and do exactly what you, what you need him to do. Would, would you just glorify God that is able to not only forgive your sins, but heal your bodies, restore your soul, bless your family? Would you just lift your hand and, and say, Lord, I believe. Will you be glorified in me and through me in Jesus' name? All right, now I just speak to your faith, and now I want to come to today's storyline in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 9. As Dale reads it, then we'll stop at verse 13. But Jesus was reaching people with the mercy of God and the love of God, and the way that we learn that is people were changed. And so let's, let's watch uh, what happened here at Math, in Matthew's neighborhood in Capernaum. You said he, he went to his house. Remember, in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus left his home. He left Nazareth, which was on the uh, western between the Sea of Galilee and the Mediterranean Sea, and he went toward the lake country, and he lived in Capernaum. So he's at Capernaum, and he no doubt knows Matthew, but this is a special day for Matthew. So let's follow along. And as Jesus passed forth from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom, and he said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat, in the house. Behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that means. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Thank you, Lord. Let's, let's honor the Lord's reading of the word. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Dale. You can give that to Colleen. That's a very powerful story, and I, I felt like the Lord was just guiding us to have differing voices Share it because it grabs attention in a different way. And uh, I'll honor your love for God and your dedication as an evangelist, a five-fold minister and a father and a businessman, a worship leader, a preacher. Um, I've known Dale since he was a teenager. And again, this is a house that honors the word. It's a spiritual house first, and out of that flows all the natural works. And that's a good thing. Here we're told, and here's the storyline I want to develop, that Jesus tells people most Bible scholars and historians agree that this is occurring, this Matthew 9 in uh, this series of dialogue is, is happening in Matthew's home. Jesus uh, calls him, he comes away from his business and goes home, takes him to dinner, 
And so they're, they're eating. And Jesus, once again, is releasing the mercy of God to people that don't know about it yet. And he's challenged for that. And in the midst of the challenge, he said that those that are whole don't need a physician, but those that are sick. And then his admonition or directive instruction to go and learn what it means, I will have mercy. Last week, we were in Matthew chapter 12, where Jesus said the same thing, that the religious people were missing the uh, meaning of what the scriptures were given to us to communicate. They knew what it said, but they had uh, either forgotten or never learned what it means. And so I want to talk about learning mercy. In fact, I want to dedicate the month of March, not to March Madness uh, over, over human sports and drama, but to march gladness over learning about the mercy of your Father that has gotten you a promise to heaven and gotten you a promise that heaven will move through you to make other people's march very glad. So we're going to be learning about mercy. We'll start here today, and I already want to get that song ready, Come to the Altar. I just, I just envision, you know, well, I don't, I don't need to go to the altar. Well, if you're invited somewhere, it's nice to be friendly and to come. And as you just come, who knows what, you know, you're going to take, what do you want to carry my mat around? I, I've been laying on this mat all my life. I'm, I'm comfortable with it. I got my HBO, which is hell boiling over. I got my CNN. I got, you know, negative news. I got everything I need right here. What do you want me to get up off the mat? You're picking up the mat. Well, they invited him to go. They let him through the roof, and he came out, changed forever. Sometimes you need someone else's invitation and someone else's a faith, someone else that has already learned mercy to guide you into what you don't yet know. That's really good. It's really good. So Jesus is telling us that we need to learn mercy. Learning mercy is a very important lesson for all of us. It's the expression of God, and it's an expression that lives forever, endures forever. If I had more time, which I don't, um, I would read the whole Psalm 136. Did you know in the 26 verses, and if you guys don't stay anointed, look out, because me and Dale and Corey and Lori and, and Lowell will get back up on these instruments and, and take over in our 50s and 40s and whatever else is beyond that. But there was a song that used to go, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures for, go down to the F and come to the G. It was just really fun. And I had so much fun. I, I made, that got me into a full-time ministry job and and. But the mercy of the Lord endures forever. 26 times in 26 verses, Yahweh's mercy endures forever. The word forever is not, a, oh, I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad I got my 401k kind of forever. That's not what it's talking about. It's the Hebrew word olam. Oh, my, you're not keeping up with me. Next one, next one. Uh, yeah, here it is. Hebrew word olam, it means eternal. So what I'm inviting you to learn, welcome to class. It's now in session. You're learning about something that never had a beginning and will never have an ending. You're, you're, it's like you're, you're green-carded, you're, you're flashed right in, scan, all excess pass to mercy school. It's an important lesson for us to, merce, to uh, learn mercy. All right, let's, without reading Psalm 136, let me ask a rhetorical question. Where, where does this mercy begin? If Jesus is telling Ma Matthew was a uh, tax collector, but he was also a very close follower of Jesus, and whether he recalled what he wrote or wrote as it was happening, I don't know. It appears that some of them were written on the spot, as, and John also, with some of the detail they recorded. They were great, 
great stenographers or note takers. But might I ask, where does this mercy begin? Well, here's an answer. When you come to Jesus, you're forgiven. When you believe in Jesus, you're redeemed. I have equal signs on my notes. I'm writing about mercy. One title, Rafa, mercy, the things that I'm working on. When coming to Jesus equals being forgiven, equals believing in Jesus, equals being redeemed, equals calling on the name of the Lord, equals we shall be saved, equals Nicodemus's new birth coming from the Spirit from above, and that all happens, don't miss this, that all happens the instant you turn your twinkling eyes, your thoughts of your heart, the words of your mouth, and you know, if you're in a you know, Baptist church, then you got to raise your hands. Now that it's handed, raise hand. Now stand up. Now that you're standing up, step out. Now that you're stepped out, step up. Now, no, it doesn't take all of that. It's in that instant. When I was deer hunting, I said, God, if you're real, that was my instant. When Jonah was in the whale and he said, Lord, your mercy endures forever. That was the instant the whale of Egypt let him out and he got to go back into mercy class. I love the Assyrians, Jonah, just as much as I love the Jews, Jonah. And he had a problem with that. But God was working him through his problems. So welcome to the class of mercy. You're enrolled in that instant you became a believer. Now, Jesus, Jesus asked Matthew to... Dale, what did you read? Matthew, follow me. Coming to Jesus is done in an instant. Following, on the other hand, following is not coming. Following is a forever. Following is forever. It's one thing to come to Jesus and then leave Jesus. It's, and is he, yeah, but he's everywhere. Yes, he's everywhere. But did you ever see the corrective side of God out here? I'd rather be following him and then mercy and grace are following you because you're in the train of his goodness. In the extension of his permitted disobedience, there's justice and sin's results. There's sickness and disease and, and well, get, I'm going to get back in here. Forget We all know what's out there. Turn on the TV, read the paper. My goodness. But following Jesus is eternal. But following, and here's where our class, at the beginning of our class here, and learning more about this, uh, following is altogether different and something that has a beginning but does not have an ending. My coming to Jesus, it's my story. I've told it hundreds, thousands of times. I, I don't deviate. i got my short version, my long version. To hunters, I tell them, you know. Most nobody ever asks about, I bet you I could count on one hand, how many points. Because the, the aura of the story, it's not about what I took. It's what, about what I received. And they can say, wow, you really got something there. It was a five-point buck. It was a yearling, you know, but next time if I ever, I won't have to get saved again, but I'll say, Lord, it's going to be one for the wall that's, you know, Boone and Crockett and all. I didn't even know that he cared. I found out he cares. See, following Jesus is entering in at the beginning, coming in an instant, and then following him forever. And we need to learn this. Jesus said you need to learn this. May, may I say this? And this can, you can quote me on this. My daughter, she puts stuff up there and take this, this from the Lord. When we're talking about mercy that we need to learn, 
I'm not sharing a message with you today. Mercy is not a message. This message, this mercy is who God is. You get to know him. And that's what we'll be talking about. I, on March 11th, I have a revelation I'll be giving you. Bring, bring everybody. I, I, if they're out in the parking lot, we'll put speakers out there. Uh, I want to share something with you that God, I want to set it up, but Mitch will be preaching next week with Emily, giving us a recount and taking communion, and that'll be good from our youth pastors. But we need to learn that mercy is not a message. Mercy is who God is. In fact, the word learned here in the Greek that Jesus used, he's sitting in Matthew's house, there's ladies and men around him that everyone knows. Wow, that guy smells like marijuana, or that one smells like, you know, too much wine. I don't know how they could tell they're sinners, but they had their way of finding out who was a sinner and who wasn't. Imagine that. Jesus is saying, I I'm not coming for that. I'm coming to call sinners to repentance. I want to release my mercy and enroll them in learning about my mercy. When he said learn, it's the Greek word manthano, and it means to get something you don't have, to know something that you don't know, to understand something you don't yet understand. And I stand before you right now, honest as can be, I did not know mercy like I need to know. I'm, I'm you know, maybe you're in front of me in the class, but I'm right up there in the, one of the front row. I don't like to sit back and get distracted. I taught my children, the first day of class, here's your apple. You plop it on her desk and sit right in front of her or him. And you let them know, I am here to get the best that you got to give me. And that, that's how we want to be with Jesus. We want to learn his mercy. We want to learn what we don't yet understand. And last week we learned that if Jesus said, if you would know what I'm looking for, you would not live your life condemning the guiltless. I don't want to be a condemner of people that God's trying to get his mercy to. And that's a good, that's a good message. That's a good word. So the, the next thing he says, uh, when he said, go and learn, here in Matthew chapter 9, jump back to, uh, I'm on number 9, please. Seeing their faith. No, it's down one. Oh, wrong. Not a touch screen. Okay. Where he says, go and learn what it means. <clears throat> That'd be 12. Go and learn what it means. You go is a, another interesting choice of words that Jesus took. It's poro yuamahi, and it means to remove yourself, traverse another way, and stay there till you learn it. It's almost like, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, Jesus is saying, get out of my face. I'm doing good stuff here. Stop. He's coming to heal someone. Oh, she, she's already dead. Did you ever have someone just put a stick in the spokes of your faith as you're just starting to roll? Yeah. That ain't going to work. Didn't Speaking in tongues, well, that's about it. And Jesus says, poor you on me. Get out of here. That's why he had to take doubt and unbelief away. And I've watched it. I've come into a hospital room or someone's failing in, in their health and someone's already got it all figured out. And I'm thinking, did you even call on the name of Yahweh Rapha? What does he have to say? And so Jesus was telling them to, to remove themselves, get enrolled in mercy class, and begin your apprenticeship. I found that apprenticeship and mercy sometimes slows the efforts of the journeyman. If you're in construction or you're a tradesman or, or any kind of a, maybe a PA, a physician's assistant, you know, that, that person watching gets to have some hands-on and, 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 and do what they're going to ultimately do, but Truth be told, they do slow down the person that already has learned all that, don't they? 
Why, sure, that's why I used to work for my grandfather, and I you know, put stuff up and cut it short or split the wood. And I used to think my first name, nickname, and, and you know, this, I think I'm okay with this, was damn it. Damn it, Tim. You know, I, I got a lot of those. And the apprentice was slowing down the master woodsman in his production. But I, I learned I don't have that name anymore. Now I'm, a, I'm in the mercy business. I'm releasing love and goodness and kindness. And, you know, he, he had his way of communicating. That's not the way you do it yet. So he could have as well said, uh, remove yourself and let me show you how it's done. So that, that's a good thing to sign up for and be okay if you're a journeyman or moving on farther in the class to allow the apprentices to learn. I remember one time, I, I think I told this, a true story. I was in ministry here in full, full time and doing the best I could, and I called Pastor Mike Shreve as one of my overseers and uh, evangelist apostles and great friend of our family. And I was just like had it with the people and going through these struggles. And I said, Mike, he always would pick up my call. I said, Mike, you won't believe what the devil did. And he interrupted me, said, and I don't want to hear about it either. That was it. He changed the conversation. Just, I never forgot that moment. I thought, well, that's the difference between a journeyman and an apprentice. I don't have time to be, tell, be told everything that's wrong. And Oh, by the way, can you fix it? <laughs> I need more time for that. So we stay, we stay enrolled in mercy, and you'll find that mercy grows. The, the 30, Psalm 136, 26 verses stack on line by line, and you leave that psalm feeling like I could conquer the world with his help. Yes, I can. So we, we're to go and learn. We're to fulfill our apprenticeship and, and, and be merciful. Mercy can be learned. Here's an example, another example. I was uh, last, or two years ago, I was in Milwaukee Circuit Court for, two tra for a traffic violation. I was, had a lot on my mind. My mother was near uh, passing on, and I just, in, in two weeks, I got, I got snagged twice, and I thought, this can't be happening, but it was happening. And I thought, I'm going to go plead my case, and I got down there early. I Mark this down, y'all. I got there early. And I'm sitting in the, and I just enjoyed watching this circuit court take place. And I, the, the man of color was the judge. I thought, I kind of like this guy. And he'd listen to these cases, you know, all these cases, like you have 15 DWIs and you're asking me for mercy. And he, I'm just thinking, my goodness, what's he going to do? And that, so I went through and they finally, finally, I knew my angle. As soon as I got there, finally he called me up and I said, sir, I, I'm a minister. And I had a lot in my mind. My mother's very sick. And I was actually delivering food. And I, I did a rolling stop and then a left-hand turn around some semi that was taking forever. I thought, I can beat this guy. So I did. And boom. You know, God was just watching over me saying, don't do that anymore. So I told it to the, to the judge. And uh, I, I'll never forget him. He kind of just sat back in his chair. I always know when the peace of God's coming in my conversations, people just relax. <laughs> Otherwise, I can make people nervous. I hate that. Maybe it's part of that damn it, Tim thing. I don't know. <laughs> Pray for your pastor. Deliver me, oh God. Yeah. Amen. Can we just be honest around, um, around each other? I think that's a good thing. Anyways, uh, the, once the judge heard my situation, I said, yeah, this is the second time. I, I can't believe it. I, my, as you can see, I've got a clean record, never been arrested. And he said, Pastor, what are you doing here? He said, you need to go out there and do your work. And please say a prayer for me. And... Keep one eye on the road. 
And he said, pay, pay the court costs and go on and get out of here. I mean, I just thought, thank you. See, when you walk in mercy, you can expect mercy to come back. Mercy is like the new birth. Um, you don't see it. And sometimes, well, I want to explain it. How far does it have to go? In our mercy classes, we'll see that, oh, my, I can't believe I'm out of time already. Come on, two fingers. There we go. It's like... What Nicodemus was told from Jesus that you don't see the new birth like the wind. You see the results of it. So I want to ask you a question. Is joy flowing out of the wellspring of mercy that is residing in you because of Jesus? He's the fountainhead of blessing. Is joy and gladness flowing out of you? It might be. It might be that we just need to do our mercy class homework and be a little more merciful because Jesus said in the, in the and this is my phrase, be my attitudes, you heard of beatitudes? Well, it's a be my attitude. It's a be attitude? Well, that could be be attitude. Your attitude. No, it needs to be my attitude. Yeah, yeah. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, uh, for, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And then number five, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. If you want to receive mercy... You need to be merciful. And in order to be merciful like God wants, we need to understand what he wants us to learn. And so that's what we're talking about. It's, it's not that way outside the kingdom. Matter of fact, when I heard these people blaming everyone else in that court that day, I thought, oh, my, sir, don't, don't go that way. That ain't going to go good. Boom. You know, 30 days, double fine. And I thought, oh, don't, don't do that, you know. <laughs> outside of Jesus Christ, there's a... Now, Tell me you haven't seen a, a, a competitive sports contest. There is a contesting, there is a competing, there is a conquering, and then prevail. It's not serve and wait for your serving to exalt you. It's the world's way of dog-eat-dog, dog, and I'm not living, I got out of the dog-eat-dog dog world. Now it's a, a lamb-follow-the-lamb world, and that's a good place for us to be. And and instead of demanding peace after you've contested, competed, conquered, prevailed, and then, then think you're going to peacefully preside over people, that's not how Jesus does it. And it's by the mercy of God that we have access to our Father in heaven. Micah, the prophet, a contemporary of Isaiah, said this, and this is a very familiar scripture. This is, I want to give you a couple of axioms before Colleen closes us and we'll sing that song. Let's go down to Micah there. I think I have Micah 6. Wherewith shall I come before the Lord? I mean, you know, in, in the brass tacks and when it's all said and done, what, what is God requiring to bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings and calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or ten thousands of rivers of oil? This, this, this always has grabbed me. Shall I give the firstborn for my transgression and the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Valid question. Valid question. Here's the answer of what the Lord gives to Micah. Uh, next, he has showed you, O oh man, what is good and what the Lord does require of you, but to do justly. Love do you love mercy? I sure love. In fact, I want, and when I was done with the judge, he said, get out of here. I wanted to just hang out with him. I just wanted to talk with him, kind of laugh with him. He said, no, you got to go. Bailiff, you know. <laughs> but if you love mercy, it, you'll, you'll draw mercy friends. You'll draw people like Jesus. They'll come and, and they'll, they'll just... Sneak out 
do you think God has a problem with such and such? Or what do you think about such and such? Maybe it's abortion. Maybe it's murder. Maybe it's a divorce situation or a, you know, a, a difficult time. I'm hearing people all over at every level wonder if God knows, and if he knows, does he care? Our answer is, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. I'm loving mercy. Eagle's Nest Church is loving mercy and walking humbly with God. Let's go a little farther, and I think I'm just about ready to, to land this here today. I want, to I want to invite you to begin to ask for mercy. I asked for mercy sitting out there. I was about, about in the middle of the courtroom just listening. I thought, man, my insurance is going to... I thought, well, don't say that, because after this goes well, I'm going to go sit with my insurance guy. <laughs> he sows into the ministry. I mean, he wrote you guys, and I, I told him, now make sure you pay a tithe off if I get you a new client. So it's a, it's a really good thing. I'm loving mercy and, and finding people who want to know that God loves them. Well, uh, here's a guy that needs to ask for mercy. And this will be further on in our lesson, but just let me introduce it because some of you need this right now. Did you know... Did you know that God said that you can ask mercy for someone else? What do we call that? Oh, Sharon or Bill, they're, they're all working today. We call that intercession. We call that seeing something that's not right and calling it right even though it isn't. That's mercy. There's five levels of giving, seven levels of mercy, and you want to you want to get out of kindergarten. Oh, I came to the Lord. He forgave my sins. Let me tell you what's wrong with so-and-so. Let me tell you what's wrong with so-and-so. Let me tell you. It's like, do you love mercy? Then let mercy come out in the form of a declaration. What mother doesn't love her children? What mother doesn't clean up the backside when they're little and doesn't even think about it? That's God to us. We, he loves mercy. He is merciful. And so we want to envision ourselves as... a. Uh, MVP in the kingdom of God. What does that mean? It means mercy visits people when Tim visits people. Are you an MVP? Mercy visits people. Everyone, it's, it, and, and when you're releasing mercy, you don't have time to complain, and it'll remove complaining from our streets. Well, here's one of this, the last I'll close. This is a man that needed to learn mercy. It's found in James chapter 2 and verse 9. As we conclude this morning, he had to learn mercy. And oh, a little, little note about this individual. He grew up as the second born of Mary and Joseph, grew up in Jesus' house in Nazareth, learned the carpenter trade, but he didn't know mercy yet. In fact, when his older brother Jesus, this special son, uh, was, was moving in miracles and, and they weren't even sure, some of the brothers followed him to, to verify the results. Let me, let me, you got a doctor's report on that? Do you ever, you know, people just are inclined to doubt more than they are to believe until mercy starts growing. And James was outside, well, go show yourself. Everyone, you, just, you just want to have a bigger following. And Jesus was then a, a, a assimilating those that wanted to hear his message. But... Now, not only is this a late learner, but a, a wonderful um, storyline. This is really practical. So James would get saved, and it was after Jesus went to the cross. But you remember when Jesus was praying? I know he's praying for his brothers, and he had to entrust them to the power of the Holy Spirit. That's part of the growth and development of a person who follows Jesus. It's not, uh, you know, Matthew chapter 16 uh, your, your pastor, Pastor Tim Winnell, will build a church. No, Jesus builds the church. 
We follow in line and do what he asks us to do. And he asks us to pray for all people, kings, authorities, people in need. So here's James. He finally writes what is commonly called the Catholic epistle. Not Catholic in the form of the Roman Catholic, but Catholic in the truest sense of the definition, meaning universal. This applies to all people. James learned this. He learned it by watching his brother, then it became his own. If you have respect in persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. For whosoever should keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he's guilty of all. For he that said do not commit adultery also said do not kill. If you commit no adultery, but if you kill, you become a transgressor of the law. Next, please. Uh, but so speak ye, and so do, as they that should be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment without mercy that showed no mercy, and mercy rejoices, mercy rejoices over judgment. So what he's telling us that he had to learn is that when you begin to flow in mercy, mercy starts flowing. And, and, and the seasons of increase, and sometimes you're, you know, you're not involved in as much, but then there are times when you're really releasing the mercy. My daily prayer, Lord, give me all the mercy and more that I need today so that everyone, I'm an MVP. Mercy visits people when I'm out in the community. And I'm, I'm having people of, of report or repute come up to me. The president of the village comes up and talks to me at the meeting because I got there early. I was just standing around praying over like those were all my pews. He came and grabbed my shoulder. I said, oh, he said, yeah, you're, you're, you're Eagle's Nest, right? I said, oh, yeah, that's my, that's my, my work. My... I'm, I'm Brookside. I said, oh, we bought your building. <laughs> we're outgrowing it in, in some regards, which is why I'm here. We don't have enough room for all the food we're bringing. And, and a kingdom conversation starts. He said, God bless you, Pastor. I think it's going to go really well tonight. Oh, by the way, they passed unanimously. We got our papers. We're good to go. Thank you, Jesus. But mercy, and so here, people that are giving mercy have mercy, and mercy rejoices over judgment. Now, look at what, in the, in the next statement, how is that mercy? Is this just a spiritual thing? Look at what James talks about as we close. Here's a practical application. Next slide, please. What does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he have faith or have mercy and not works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one say unto them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding, and to give them not those things which they are needful through the body, does it profit? Even so, faith as it have not works is dead, being alone. It's fascinating to me that James, in the same flow of conversation, ties a human effort, a human work, with the expression of mercy. So in your mercy class, here's your homework. This is a group lesson. This year already, our food pantry, by about eight or ten people, have received 14,000 pounds. This year alone, and 3,580 is meat. I want to invite you, as Kathy, or Dawn, or Curie, or Colleen, or Sharon, they're helping it administratively. As they come alongside of you with a calendar, I'm assigning you to what Jesus told me that I need to learn, and my dad's been doing it, I've been doing it, others have been doing it, this is going to be your chance to start stacking mercy by doing what Jesus said, give things to people. And you don't even have to buy it. And you'll have a God encounter. You'll say, Pastor, wait till, wait till Lindy gets up here and shares a story. We're setting it up. She had a miraculous encounter in the freezing parking lot of the pick and save waiting for food. 
the angel of the Lord came. I'll help her tell the story, but as she's telling it, the Lord's telling me, let me interpret what I did for her. It was powerful. I don't want to take it away from her because it, it'll be, be the bring the house down kind of thing. But to learn mercy, you know, when you're, when you're giving food to people or giving clothing to people, you're doing exactly what Jesus is ordering for you to do. He's sitting at the table with you and saying, I'll have mercy. Guess what I've learned? When someone's taking you out to dinner, have what they're having. He's not coming down here marking down sins. Not a negative word comes out of him towards you, towards your family. He's God and he decided to put all that in his sea of forgetfulness behind him. And I'm behind him and guess what's behind me? What's following me? Will you come, Colleen, will you come? Stu, will you come and just help me on that Hammond organ? Ian and Stacy and whoever. I know we went a little bit longer, but this is how the end time harvest of souls is going to come in. It's not, the old dog doesn't hunt no more. It's time to retire the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's time to start embracing the fruit of the tree of life. Don't, don't miss March 11th, the next Sunday. I want to share something with you. It's a crazy revelation. It'll revolutionize your smile and, and put health and life in your countenance. I would like to invite you to stand as Colleen closes our service today. And I want to invite you as she invites you, respond to Jesus if it's the 101st time, a, a millionth time or the first time. I envision, I see this altar just filled with people drawing close to Jesus. Thanks for listening to a recent message by Senior Pastor Tim Winter. Please visit eaglesnestchurch.net for more information.